What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler. With me on the other line is my co-host, Curtis. We definitely appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to check back into the show. We actually have been waiting on this for a while, guys, but we actually have uh, some good news to talk about for a change here as regards to our basketball program. You know, We had a, a pretty lengthy streak there, or at least three, three straight games of just terrible subpar play. But we've kind of responded nicely here the past two games with back-to-back wins over ranked opponents. Obviously, Florida last Wednesday in the overtime victory down in Gainesville and then came back home on Saturday and took down the 15th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. So today we're going to recap those games and talk about a little bit more about what that means for the season moving forward and maybe more importantly what it means for Mark Fox and his tenure as it may or may not continue here in Athens. But before we get there, just want to remind you guys, uh, if you are into Twitter and that's in, in the social media scene, you guys can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. Feel free to interact with us, share your thoughts, opinions. We definitely love to hear what you guys have to say. I uh, want to make sure everyone knows where to find us. Obviously, you're listening to us somewhere out there. But I uh, want to make sure everyone knows you can find us on dogsportsradio.com. Download the Dogsports Radio app straight to your smartphone if that makes it a little easier for you guys if you prefer soundcloud itunes stitcher and TuneIn apps you can find us on any of those platforms as well and, th- and thank you for all of you guys who have taken time to give us a, a rating and review on your preferred platform we really do appreciate that it sincerely helps us with exposure and kind of just getting the show out there and spreading the word so if you haven't done so if you get a chance it would be awesome uh, if you could just take a, a, a few seconds to rate interview the show and let us know what you think out there uh, so thanks in advance for that. But Kurt, let's go ahead, man, and dig into some basketball conversation here. Uh, honestly, coming into uh, this week, I was almost to the point where I, I was just going to say, you know what, we're going to stop talking basketball for the rest of the season. What else was there to say? I mean, every game, at least for three three straight games, there starting with the Mississippi State game, coming off that Florida win at home. Then we go on the road to Mississippi State, on the road to Vanderbilt, uh, and then come back and have Auburn at home. And they were both just horrific performances, just absolutely dreadful performances. And it was to the point of, okay, do we have anything new to say about basketball? It was just the same story over and over again. So I was ready to kind of just move on and, and try to find some way to talk about some football here in the offseason. But our team has responded a victory on the road Wednesday night over Florida, an overtime victory, and then come home and follow that up with another victory over a ranked opponent against Tennessee on Saturday. So, Curtis, I guess let's just start here. What was the difference? We're coming off three straight, like I said, just flat-out terrible performances, and we followed that up with two victories over ranked opponents. And, you know, getting victories over ranked opponents in the Mark, Rock, the Mark Fox tenure, that those are pretty rare occurrences. So to follow them up with two straight victories over ranked opponents, that's that's a pretty significant development here uh, as we are in year nine of the Mark Fox tenure. So how, how do you account for the change coming from three straight terrible performances to two, those two straight victories over ranked opponents? Just being active. Yeah, and, and not only that, but I mean, just his threat of shooting brings people to him, and you can't, you can't, you know, you can't load up the the middle and uh, by the rim like everyone's doing because there's really no threat of us to do anything. And um, I mean, you saw it against Vanderbilt. Um, 
you know, he didn't even take a single shot. And that's the thing I question. You know, he wasn't playing much. Then you start playing him. You saw him play almost the majority of the entire second half against Florida, and our team finally, finally starts to do something. Well, in the first half against Tennessee, we weren't doing too much because Crump didn't play very much in the first half. I think we went in with, what, a two- or four-point lead at the end of the first half. Yeah. And then uh, second half, you know, especially the last ten minutes or so, we went to more of a two-guard lineup with him and Turtle, and our team started moving the ball well. We started playing – we were playing defensively, and we were able to get the ball down low because we had more of a threat around the around the uh, perimeter. I do agree that Crump playing more extended minutes here has certainly sparked the offense to a, to at least a small degree. And given us, given Yante specifically, even Obede, you know, had 16 points, huge game against Tennessee. Given some of our interior guys some more room to operate in the low post area. Because... And he's also doing a good job of getting the ball to them down low. I mean, sure. against Florida, the one that really sticks out to me the most was the one where he kind of did a no-look pass where he's looking to Yontay, and they all crashed to him, and he just whips it to Derrick, who turns down a slam against Florida. And then, I mean, against Tennessee, he was throwing some good passes. I mean, uh, one that they had to foul Nicholas Clax, or else he would have had a slam on. And, I mean, he just he's um, he's just been doing a good job of throwing um, passes down low, getting our guys in positions. To His score. core vision has really been exemplary over the past two games. It really has. Where he just honestly, when I'm watching, when I'm sitting there watching the game and some of the, the looks he gives to the guys uh, down low in the post, Yante and, and Obede, I, I honestly didn't see it coming because I didn't see an open path to get the ball to those guys. But he somehow he saw it and then was able to execute the pass, get the ball into the post, and let those guys finish on their end as well. So uh, I think that's something that he definitely has brought to the table beyond just his shooting, which of course everyone's going to point to first and foremost when you talk about Tyree Crump. Because that's we've been saying this all year long. That's what he brings to the table that no one else on the team gives us on a consistent basis, that ability to drain shots from distance. And one person I also want to give some credit to um, for playing pretty well the last couple games has been Pop Yada. I mean, he's really gotten more into a role, and I think he's given us some good minutes. I mean, we haven't had to put someone like uh, Woolridge in there who's an absolute – he is – there's no chance of him scaring anyone offensively where Pop can at least come in and hit, you know, hit a three every now and then or, you know, give you, make you at least have to pay attention to him. At least another guy that's a, a threat to hit a shot. Not saying he's going to hit every shot he throws up, but he's at least a threat. You know, he comes yeah, in I mean, against... Woolridge will get the ball, he'll be wide open, and he'll be afraid to shoot it. He won't shoot sure. it, he'll just be looking to pass right away. And Pop, you at least have to close out on him, and on those closeouts, you open up the middle once again. Absolutely. Kind of a related question, but how do you account for Pop Giada essentially not playing all year long until maybe the last three to four game stretch here? Well, apparently to Fox, he was injured. Right. So, I mean, if the, that's, if what, that's according injured, to Mark Fox. But yet he's been out there warming up every single game with the team. Going yeah, through going through like shoot arounds and all that stuff, which made and it doesn't yeah, like it he was healthy. Like he was missing anything. I mean, the guy was he was dressed out every game and is out there. I mean, I go to every home game. The guy's he's not only dressed out, but he's out there going through the layup line, doing everything. Everyone else is doing the warm ups. And my thing is too is he was playing he was playing you know cleanup minutes at the end of the game. If he was injured, he wouldn't have even been doing that. Yeah, there were a few games, not many games. Some, most games he wasn't getting at all, but there were a few games where he was getting there in garbage time. Absolutely. So you're right. If he's if he was completely just not available, like Mark Fox was seeming to indicate, or not even indicate, he just flat out said that, uh, that just doesn't quite make sense there. It doesn't quite jive there. I'm not quite sure I buy that 100%. In some ways, it kind of strikes me as a coach trying just being defensive there and trying to... Yeah, the first time you guys since the playing time, he knocks down, what, was it four, four threes in that one game against Mississippi State? It's out of nowhere, out of the blue. And I was like, okay. Now, he hasn't repeated that since then, but still, he showed the ability to do that which gives us a little bit of room out there. Uh, when he's out there in the court, it can definitely stretch the court and clear out the paint, it's, give our guys some more room to operate down low. You're right. And see, I, I can't, it's hard for me right now at this point to take Fox at his word because I don't know how many people were listening to his press conference at the end of the game. He pretty much pulled a Jim McElwain. 
Dude, just a complete shot. It, I mean, not, so I heard some people saying it was a subtle shot. There, there was no subtlety to that shot. He, he was essentially saying, he flat out said, you guys hate our players. It's like, no, no, dude. Actually, the reason we still come to games and cheer is because we love the players. We don't yeah, particularly we don't like care you. for you. You're the problem. Yeah, it's not the players. You know those guys are playing hard. Me. I was like, he just pulled a complete Jim McAway, and I was like, what are you doing? Like, you're the one that's on the hot seat. The players will stay. If you go, the players will still be here. I mean, again, I go to every game, win or lose, go to every home game, year in and year out, to support our team. I've been, the past several years, been severely frustrated with Mark Fox. But yeah, I still go, not for him, I go for our players. I, he's the one that we have an issue with, not our guy. So it kind of just put a defensive, kind of childish attitude there. I, that kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. It did too, because you know, coaches are supposed to want to be take the blame and stuff. And you know, you never, even if the player, someone says something about the players, you never bring it up at, in the public where it gets talked about. Because now that that control, that's the media narrative. Oh, they're going to start questioning about the players and things like that. Instead of all the attention should be on him. I mean, I felt like that's not what a coach does. Kind of struck me as a guy that making that comment publicly like that. Kind of struck me as a guy who kind of at least feels as though he under, he knows his fate is probably not. Uh, what he wants it to be moving forward the rest of the season, barring some miraculous run. And he was just kind of unloading. So, you know what? You guys hate our players, you, but I love them. I love our guys. And kind of just kind of rallying the troops there, circling the wagons, that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. It, it was just – it was odd and just, you know, mistimed. Really, I mean, we come up – two really nice victories like this. That should not be the narrative. It should not be the conversation after these two victories. But when he makes comments like that, he, he still makes it the narrative. He still reminds everyone that, oh, you know what? Yeah, you've been on the hot seat very recently. When that really should not necessarily be the narrative after at least these two victories. Uh, all right, so beyond just uh, Tyree Crump playing a little bit more, Pop Jada playing a little more, the personnel decisions, is there anything else that kind of sparked this two-game run here? Well, you saw, all right, the Tennessee game, to me, is a prime example. The first half, we played a conservative Mark Fox fashion. You know, we got a little bit of a lead. And Tennessee is missing shot after shot, but our lead never got more than, what, I want to say eight and, and yeah, that, we really was, couldn't extend it beyond that. It was between like yeah, four and nine, back and forth. It, exactly. I mean, it was it was a close game. We should like we were dominating, but you look at the scoreboard, and it's still a really close game. And and to me, that's a typical Mark Fox. You know, stay inside within the system, be conservative, do all these things. The second half, you know, we didn't get a huge lead, but we played more exciting basketball. I feel like the second half. You know, we take the reins off a little bit when we went to the two-guard system with Turtle and Crump. And, you know, Crump was out there throwing us some threes. And I think our team, was we were moving the ball really well around. You know, we come out in the second half, hit a couple threes because we had great ball movement. And I feel like that was, you know, it was more of not playing in his system. And I just felt like that, I think that's why we played better in the second half and kept the lead. And you saw it against Florida. You know, especially in the first half, we played really conservative and things like that. And then the second half, especially when he let Crump take over, you know, play most of the game, we were playing over a wide-open system. Sure. I I think that's a very good point you make there. One of the byproducts, one of the many byproducts of the slow it down type system, defensive or the emphasis on defense that Mark Fox likes to play philosophically, the byproduct is there. We don't really get blown out. I mean, they're, they're, you know, the last three games coming into the floor game, we, we got blown out. They're all by 15 plus points. But that that's the exception. We rarely truly get blown out of games. But on the other end, we don't ever really separate from anyone either. You're right. So it's always, if, we, if we win games, we still have to kind of grind it out to wins. We don't blow teams out. We don't When teams are missing shots, when they go through droughts, which by playing good defense, which we typically do, we can force teams to go through scoring droughts. But we have such a hard time scoring ourselves that we can't separate 
from those teams and really kind of maximize the, the advantage that our defense gives us there and kind of take a lead and just kind of destroy their souls to the point where they have no chance to come back. Uh, so, and one thing I want to point out is not only the way we played, but I feel like it's who we played. Florida and Tennessee, in my opinion, are very identical teams. You know, they don't have a great inside presence there. They're about 6'8". I mean, they don't get much bigger. They now don't have one good. truly dominant player. Yeah, exactly, and, and more, they're more of a jump-shooting team, and that's what Florida, Florida and Tennessee are both that way. The teams the last couple weeks we've lost to have had more of these inside players that have, they have actually controlled the, the rebounding margin against us, and, the, and that's what really killed us. Mississippi State, it was a lot of second-chance points as they were getting offensive rebounds and hitting threes and things like that. Well, the last two teams we played, that's not their M.O. They really, you know, a you know try to keep it a, a slower pace game, too, or, you know, get out and just try to hit the jump shots, and they weren't hitting them, and that's what really pr- – pr- you know, helped us get to where we were. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I, for me, I, I totally agree with you that giving Tyree Crump more minutes, giving Pop Giada some more time on the court, I think that definitely did have an impact in these, in these past two games. But I think it's more that. To me, the biggest thing here is that we just simply got back to our roots and played really good defense and rebound the basketball. Because if we don't do the either of those two things, we are not going to win basketball games. We're just not good enough offensively. If you go back and look at that three-game losing streak where we lost by 15-plus points each game at Mississippi State, at Vanderbilt, at home against Auburn. Those three games, we gave up an average of 52.3% shooting from the field, and we were minus 22 boards in those three games, all right, against those three opponents. We are not going to win basketball games if we're, if we're allowing opponents to shoot 52% from the field and we're getting out-rebounded by that margin. Now, fast forward to these past two games against Florida and Tennessee. If you look at the numbers, we're holding those two opponents to 36.4% shooting from the field, and we out-rebounded them by a combined 14 boards. That is that is the recipe for Georgia basketball to get victories. If we do not out-rebound teams, if we do not play good on the defensive end of the, of the court, we are simply not going to have a chance to win because we have too many deficiencies offensively. Because we've essentially shot the same percentage from the field. Even, the, even in that losing streak at Mississippi State, at Vanderbilt, and against Auburn, we shot the ball fairly well relative to what we normally do. We, in, the, in those three games, we shot the, uh, from the field an average of 43%. In these two wins against Florida and Tennessee, we shot – on average, 42.3% from the field. So offensively, it hasn't really been that much of a difference. The difference has been on the defensive end of the court and rebound the basketball. We've kind of gotten back to basics, and we've worked, we've outworked teams. Those three games, we got outworked. You and I were talking about how we felt that the team was quitting on Mark Fox, right? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is, like you said, it's more of us playing defense, and I think it's because of the matchups. Because as 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 good as you are, as good as defense we play, you're not going to be able to shut down certain teams all the time based on what they have. And and I think that's what allowed us to play you know more of our style game against these teams because of the matchups. Yeah, and when, and when we play teams like Auburn and Mississippi State, you would think that we might have an advantage as we we are bigger than them on the interior, but they are their guard play is so far superior to what we have that we essentially have no chance. Like Auburn's guards, even without Bryce Brown, their leading scorer watching that game, it's like it's night and day. We have no chance to keep up with their guards. We have no chance to outscore them. Mississippi State, now, they're not as good as Auburn, clearly, but they are still a guard-dominant team with, with the Witherspoon brothers out there. And we just simply could not keep up with them, especially on the road. So I think you're right. The matchup uh, favors us a little bit more. Florida has some decent guards. I mean, you know, Chios has been there, it seems like, forever. He's one of those guys that seems like he's been there for like 19 years. But he's not a scoring guard. He's not. He's a really good player, but he, he's not a lead scoring type guard. you got Kulachov, who's kind of like a combo guard forward. Uh, Jalen Hudson, who we held to zero points, but he's, he's a forward out there that, that can stretch the court a little bit. 
But they don't have that dominant guard play that really pushes that disadvantage. And I would say the same thing for Tennessee, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, all year watching this on TV, you never have one player that just jumps off. The they don't wow you. you. They they keep winning games. They do the little things, and and they're a smart team. They don't turn the ball over a ton. They work well together. They have good shooters. But you're right. They don't have that one guy. You're like, oh wow, all right. They don't have the Trey Young of like at least the I guess the the early season Trey Young. He's on a he's he's in a slump right now. But still, they don't have a guy like that where you're like, oh my god, this guy's just yeah. They don't have a Bryce right. Brown or someone like all. They don't. I mean, they just don't. They don't have that. It's more of like a you know by committee. I mean, Bone is good. Lamonte Turner's good. Uh, Daniels is good, but they just they don't have that one guy where you say every game he's the one you have to stop. Yeah, they, see, Grant Williams is good down low, but he's stupid. I mean, he, he, he fouls I mean, he like crazy. Out of the game. And and Yonsei did a great job of forcing him into some of those situations. And when you when you have a player like Grant Williams who 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 does foul in stupid ways quite often, and you have a veteran Yonsei Maiden who's going to go right at him and, and and kind of force the issue, that really kind of played to our advantage there. And Schofield's a good player, but Schofield's not a dominant player, is he? No, no, not at all. I don't see that at all. He's not. Even, I mean, he's not even a guard. He's 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 basically a four. And so was Grant Williams. Grant Williams was essentially a four, having to play out of position at the five more or less. I mean, they well, they say he's what like six seven, six eight. I don't know about that. Grant Williams might be like six six, maybe. Yeah, to me, he's just more wide. Yeah, I mean, he, he's one of those just wide bodies on there. He's just a low. He's got, he's got a big lower half, uh, pretty stout guy. You know, he's like he, he, when he came in, he was way overweight. He's done a good job of kind of getting getting his body. In shaping and his weight down a little bit, but he's still a, a wide body down there, down low, kind of like a, a Charles Barkley type guy in a way there. So for me, I agree with you that playing Crump more, giving giving him some more minutes out there, uh, it, both guard spots, the lead guard spot, also at the two position, kind of moving moving him back and forth there, giving Giada a few more minutes here, just getting guys on the court that could, that at least pose a threat to potentially knock some shots down from distance, which gives us a little more breathing room on the interior, which is what our team's been on. Our team is built around big guys. You look at Yante, you look at Derek, you look at Claxton. Those are the guys that Mark Fox wants to feature offensively. And it's really it's been really hard to do that all season when we have no one to legitimately pose a threat to stop teams from crashing down when the ball's entered in the post. And now you at least not not saying they knock down every shot. Crumb does not knock down every shot. Sometimes Crumb takes terrible shots, but you can also drain them. And just the threat of him being out there has kind of opened up things a little bit. It's allowed us to space the floor a little bit better, which has been a, a, a consistent problem year in and year out under Mark Fox. All right, Kirk. Now, the next thing I want, I want to make a statement here. I would argue that these last two victories, these last two victories against Florida, on the road against Florida, now with a sweep against Florida, the first time since 1997 we've swept Florida. First time we won a game, I believe, since 2003. But that victory coupled with a victory over uh, number 15, Tennessee, those two wins have kept our tournament hopes alive. Not Look, our tournament hopes are still on life support, but we're not dead yet. Would you agree or disagree with me on that? Um, I don't think we're dead yet, but I think it would take a barring a miracle just because I think the biggest things that are going to hold us back are you look at the, you know, what, 17-point loss at Vanderbilt at the time. I mean, just the way we've gotten blown out. I mean, you know, some of these games we had lost within a temp- you know a single-digit margin, it might not have been as bad, but the way we got blown out just absolutely killed us. I, our resume right now is not good enough. But we're within striking distance. If we went on a run to end this season, I think if we, I said coming, I said this on Twitter after the four game. If we won, I think four of our last five, and we already picked up one of those ones. So now it's if we win three of our last four, I feel like we would put ourselves legitimately in the conversation. I'm not saying we would be in, but we would put ourselves very close to the bubble, right firmly on the bubble going into the SEC tournament. Right now we sit at 15 and 11 overall. 
uh, RPI is 64th nationally. We have some really, really good quality wins. We've got a win against St. Mary's on a neutral court. we got a win against Temple. Those are both top 40 RPI wins. got a win against Alabama. That's a, a borderline top 30 RPI win. Uh, Tennessee's our best win to date. That's a, a top 15 RPI win. Now, Florida losing to Vanderbilt on the road really hurt us because that we have two wins over them. That was Those were two top 50 RPI wins. Now they're... Top, Florida's 61st in the RPI, so that hurt us a little bit. They, they still have some chances to, against Kentucky and the like to get back in that top 50, which would certainly help us. So we could potentially have, uh, depending on how Florida finishes down the road here, we could potentially have upwards near six to seven top 50 RPI wins. And that's, we still have at Tennessee, that's going to be an uphill battle trying to get a win at Tennessee. But we also still have Texas A&M on the schedule at home February 28th. That is against a, 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 an A&M squad. So if we can somehow find a way to get a win at South Carolina, I think that, that game is critical. Because right now, South Carolina, they're 77 in the RPI. It's not that that's going to be a great win for us, but getting a road win. Getting that road win, if we win at South Carolina, I think all bets are off. We have a, leg, a legitimate chance. If we get that win at South Carolina, we come home against LSU next Saturday, and then A&M uh, the following week on the 28th, that will give us a chance to get those three wins right there and put us, even if we lose at Tennessee, that would put us at 18 and 12, pushing top 50 RPI there going into the SEC, SEC tournament. Now, we probably have to win a couple in the SEC tournament, but we would be in the conversation. Obviously, it depends on what other teams do. What, what we do does not happen in a vacuum. It depends on what other teams on the bubble do. But I think it would give us a legitimate chance. What would you put our percentage right now in terms of our likelihood of getting into the tournament? Maybe a twenty percent. I just well, that's we, that's a big jump for you because you've been steadfast I mean, for about three it's weeks. A big jump, but I'm also. I mean, it might be lower. I don't see us winning three out of the next four because that's the, that's the problem. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean we show. I mean you saw it last time. We, you know we get a big win against Florida. We'll go out. The thing where we had the most troubles on the road. No doubt. Oh, no doubt. We. Had, I mean, and every team does. That's no different than anyone else. But we. We have struggled to get those quality road wins. And we had chances. You know, at Auburn, a 14-point lead at halftime. God, if we would have gotten that win, man. We're, we're probably in the tournament if we get that win. Uh, then at Kansas State, we have a late lead there and blow it at the end. Uh, we, we, we sneak out the win at LSU. And then Mississippi, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, we just absolutely get blown out there. Uh, somehow we find a way to get the win at Florida. But really, the only two road wins we have on – true road wins, I guess three – because you got you got to throw in at Marquette, which is another good quality win. Marquette uh, had a big road win that really helped us. We need to be rooting for Marquette to win every single game on the stretch. They beat they won at Creighton uh, Saturday night, which was huge. Uh, their RPI is 59th, and we have a win at Marquette, a true road win. So we got that road win. We've got the road win over Florida now, and then we have the one point road win over LSU that we eked out. Outside of that, that that that's it. We've we've lost every other road opportunity and. The committee puts a premium on getting road wins. It's not just about beating good teams. You need to beat good teams. Like Beating Tennessee is really good. But what would be better is beating Tennessee at Tennessee. They put a premium on those type of games. Uh, so, I don't know, 20%? I mean, you were steadfast for almost a month here at, at absolutely 0%. I mean, uh, I'm just being, I'm being nice. I mean, realistically, I'm thinking about 10 to 15 but, I mean, realistically, we're not good enough to, to win three of these last four. I, I, I agree with that. Like, But there's a chance. Uh, that's what I'm saying. There, there is a chance. A legitimate, I mean, South Carolina, they are struggling. They, they beat Auburn last week. But coming into that game uh, Saturday night, South Carolina has been on – they've been struggling. I, mean, I think Florida held them like 36 points last weekend. So They it, have they, – they just match up with us a little bit better because they have the big guys down low. They have Silva down low, and they have Hasi. Uh, and and – uh, Coats uh, Yeah, Coats are. Yeah, they have Coats are down there low. Uh, they do match up with us there. But I would say I, their guard play is not spectacular, but it's still better than ours. I'd have to say it really is. 
Um, yeah, it is. I mean, we like last time we played them, we held them. It, see, that's the thing. We were at home, held them to what thirty percent shooting. No, no, under under, we held them to under thirty percent shooting and still lost the game. <laughs> yeah, home. by almost almost double digits. I mean, we, that was the game where a home game where we were never in that game. Like what, they they were never like it. They didn't pull away from us necessarily, but we. I don't think we ever had the lead in that game. Maybe outside like the first you know two or three minutes. We just really weren't really threatening to win that game, and we but we held them to under three percent shooting at home, and still somehow lost the game, which is the the primary that's that's the premier example of our our offensive ineptitude there. So I don't I mean, if we if we can hold them to under thirty percent shooting again, now I don't know if we'll be able to do that, but if we can hold them uh, in check on the defensive end of the court, which is not overwhelmingly difficult to do, because again they struggle to score at times. If we come out and we and we play smart basketball, we don't turn the ball over. We, we work the ball inside. Crump's able to knock some shots down. Joggins knock some shots down. If we get, to, you know, and one thing that I, that that we also have to factor in, one thing that's really helped us the past couple games is Rayshon Hammonds is. I don't. He's not blowing anyone's doors off, but he's playing more than himself. He's being more aggressive offensively against Florida. He had some big buckets. Not not so much against Tennessee, but if a guy like that can come in and give us nine to twelve points. We would have a chance to win that game. And if we somehow find a way to win at South Carolina, I, I like our chances at home against LSU on a Saturday. Saturday Winning on the road on, on a Saturday is very tough to do, especially for a team like LSU. It's really not that great. Uh, I, I like our chances in that one. A&M, that's a, that's a pretty good basketball team. They're more talented. That's no doubt about it. They've had some suspensions recently, and they've been up and down, very inconsistent throughout the year. They've been really, really good at times, have some really good wins, uh, but they've also been – there have been moments where this is a team that, that looks very far away from being a tournament team. But uh, they, they're still a good, solid team, a very talented team. But I, I would give us a chance at home. And then, then you wrap it up with a game at Tennessee, which I don't see us winning. But, hey, man, there's a chance. I, I, like we said about Tennessee, I don't think they have a, a truly dominant player. But getting a win on the road is difficult. Uh, I'm with you. I, I'd say about 20 25%. You know, after that three-game losing streak there, we were getting just blown out, and our defense was just failing us left and right. I had it about 3%. But now uh, that we, we've won these two games, got two nice wins for our resume, it's, it really is on these last four games. If we can find a way to win three or four, I think we're going to put ourselves in a really good position. I just – I don't – so the opportunities there, I just don't know if we're going to really seize that opportunity. We'll see. I, I hope to God. I'm praying – uh, Coach Fox, just FYI, man, we're not rooting against the team. All right, we're not rooting against our players. We're behind them. It's where we go to every game. But uh, we'll see how it plays out here. Uh, now, one more thing I want to mention here, Kurt, or just kind of bring up, is Mark Fox. We talked about him a little bit. Do these last two victories over Florida and Tennessee have they caused you to kind of reevaluate Mark Fox and his performance this season, and maybe his job security moving forward? No, not at all. Because right, right now, like, then I, you know, we've played. We've won these last two games playing a little bit different than how he has wanted us to all year. So then I question why but have we, we played earlier. Have, you, have we really – do you really feel like he's taken the reins off of this offense and allowed us to play up Because I don't think there's been a tremendous difference. He hasn't really allowed us to, but I think the fact that playing Crump more, going to more of a guard, a guard system with Crump and Turtle in at the same time, because for almost the entire season, it would, he, Crump would only come in when Turtle went out. That, yeah, it, he was essentially Turtle's – well, for a while, he was like the third-string point guard because T-Shot yeah, Hightower so, was, was number two Hightower's for a while. not playing much. Um, he played four and, minutes and, on Saturday, Hightower. Yeah, and see, that's my thing. You know, my, my, I question, you know, where's it's been the entire year? Just because you do it two games out of 30 doesn't mean – it doesn't mean your job's safe. I mean, I, I, then at that point, I question your leadership. You had, yeah, you're right. You, you have to take the holistic view uh, and look at the big picture here. But I, I will say this. As much grief as we give him and everyone out there gives him and all the stuff that he catches – 
for some of our poor performances, like that three-game streak there where we lost by 15-plus points in each three games when our defense was giving up 52-plus percent shooting from the field and getting out-rebounded by 22 boards over that three-game span. As much criticism as he deserves at times, should we not also applaud him when our team does play well like this? Because he's got to be doing something right when our team plays well and gets two wins over ranked opponents, doesn't he? I mean, I guess you can say that, but the one thing, I mean, you saw it, the one thing that just still kills me, even though, you know, we're playing ranked team, it kills me. You see, all right, Turtle and Juwan. Juwan can make mistake after mistake after mistake. So can Turtle can make mistake after mistake after mistake. But they stay on the court. Or Crump, they make one mistake and he chews them out and he takes them right out. You saw on Saturday, he pretty much ices his own free throw shooter because Crump was going to the free throw line and Fox is sitting there chewing him out. You know, telling him to come out, but he not not realizing the kid has to go to the free throw line. You pretty much ice your own kid. As you can you can take it to the bank. As soon as Tyree Crump makes a bad pass, as soon as he gives up a, a three on defense, where he, he he whether he just gets beat or whether it's a miscommunication, he doesn't take the right guy, or he's he's not playing the scheme appropriately. You can watch Mark Fox. He will turn around, walk to the bench, look at Terrell Jackson with his thumbs say, "You're in," and. Crump is off the court every single time. Every single time. Every time the guy makes a mistake, he's, he's pulled off the court without fail. Without fail. So he basically is like, you're right, he has this, this strange like double standard for players. Yes, I mean, Juwan starts the game, you know, gets in the corner and won't pass it. Juwan turns the ball over more guy. than anybody on the team. He what? He turns the ball over more than anybody on the team. Oh, he does. Bar I mean, none. Not only, not only is it bad passes, but he comes. He'll try. To me, he. To me, I hate to say it, but he plays a little bit selfish. When he does, when he gets the ball because he's always looking to drive and never really to kick it out. Because when he drives, everyone crashes on him. And he won't kick it out. He just holds it, and then you have two or three people around him, and he throws up. A and half the time, shot. he has no idea what he's doing when he drives. He'll, he'll drive baseline with no plan whatsoever. He has no idea where he's going to pass if they collapse on him. All he knows is he wants to try a pull up jumper. Uh, and and you, you see this all the time with Juwan, and, and I, I really appreciate what Juwan's done for this program. I really do. He's a great guy. But how many times can, have you counted this season where he, he tries to do a pull-up jumper, he tries to lean in, he, try, he does the pump fake, he tries to get the defender off his feet and try to lean into it, and the defender doesn't end up fouling him, and he throws up a prayer ridiculous shot. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean— It's ridiculous it shots. Game. Like, not even has no chance whatsoever. Absolute prayers. We're trying to draw a foul and it doesn't happen. Against Tennessee or Florida, he gets the ball with about eight seconds left on the shot clock and literally just sits there in the shot clock violation and he didn't do anything with right. the ball. And if that's Tyree Crump, he's out of the game. There's no or questions Clyde's asked. Hands down, he's done. There's one thing wrong and he's out. Exactly. So I, 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 don't, I don't know if I want to go as far as saying Mark Fox plays favorites, but he I has double standards a, for guys. I think there's a very visible double standard, which at the same time goes into his leadership. I think that's fair. I mean, it's hard to – that's how you lose teams. That's how you lose players – is when you have one center for one player and a different one for another guy. And that's where, you, at least it creates the perception of favoritism. Whether that's reality or not, the perception is clearly there. And again, we don't know what happens in practice and goes on behind the scenes and how somebody talks to these guys and what they do in film work. But the perception that we see is when Tyree Crump makes a mistake, he's off the floor. And, it, and Tyree Crump's not a freshman anymore. He, now, he's had, he does that with freshmen all the time. He does with Claxton now. But Tyree Crump is no longer a freshman. All right, he's really our only guard that can that will consistently knock down shots. Now, Turtle can knock down some shots here and there, but yeah, not knock down a couple. But he'll also go one for five. Right, he'll he'll, he'll go three or four straight games where he's averaging three points a game. Where he's one of six, one of nine, one of two. It's like what is going on? Uh, yeah. So, but going back to the, the question of should should we give Mark Fox credit for these ones? I think you have to at least to a degree. Because to me, I, I struggle with this. Like. I, I think it's cer- it's certainly fair to rip Mark Fox for the way our teams perform for the majority of the year, the up and downs and inconsistencies. 
But if you're going to rip him when the team loses, I think you also have to give him credit when the team wins. Uh, now, it's certainly not all him. The players have to do their part, but it's also certainly not all him when the team loses. The players also had a hand in that as well. So I, I do want to give him some credit for not losing this team. I mean, after that three-game losing streak, I thought he had lost the team because those guys were not playing hard. The effort was not there like it is game in and game out. You know, we've said this a couple of times. You know, after that win at Florida or win against Florida at home, I tweeted out, you know, say what you want about Mark Fox, and there's there's some very fair criticism to Levy at him, but his teams always play hard. And then we go three straight games playing just with no effort and no intensity whatsoever. And I thought they had quit on him. We, we talked about how we some of the looks the teams the players were giving him on the on the on the bench there. I thought that the team was done. I thought we were folding. I thought we'd given up on him, and Mark, Mark Fox was done. But to his credit, he found a way to push the right buttons, at least for two games. We'll see how long it lasts, because that's kind of the story of Mark Fox tenure. It's like, we can win a couple games here and there, we have, but we just don't do it consistently. We, we have trouble stringing together uh, game after game after game, but kind of going on winning streaks. But at least for those two games, he got those guys to buy back in when everyone, when there was a lot of noise out there about about his future and his job security, and this team had no chance to make the tournament, another disappointing season. But these guys came out and did not quit, at least for two games, and kind of dug deep, found that intensity, that defensive effort, uh, hit the boards, crashed the boards, and were able to pull out two big victories that, to at least give us a chance, an outside, definitely an outside chance, but still a chance to find our way in the tournament down the stretch here. Well, I get that. The one thing I do want to point out, you saw, you saw it last year, too, when the seat started getting hot for him. He waits till the seat is hot till he gets desperate and, you know, does yes. something different. This is – this. It's the same story every year, is it not? Where I mean, we hit, struggle yeah, all year get, and then we get hot late and we try to sal- and we essentially we do we salvage his job for another year. You'll get you'll get to NIT, which unfortunately is enough to keep someone's job. And I have to I, and I I truly hate to say this. I I honestly I had that feeling after the Florida game. I was ecstatic that we beat Florida because again, us sweeping Florida in basketball doesn't happen very often. It's the first time since 1997. So I was thrilled to get that win. And any day you beat Florida, it's a great day, man. It's an it's an incredible day. But I, I can't lie. In the back of my mind was, oh my God, is this is this guy gonna just is he gonna find a way to finagle his way into keeping his job for one more year and keep us in a situation where where we just we're gonna be in the same situation next year where we would struggle most of the year and then kind of find our way into into maybe potentially get on the bubble late in the season and he'll be back for yet another year and yet another year and yet another year and, it's, and in, my, in my mind it's like where does it end where does it end? how how many times this guy get the team to turn it on late still miss a tournament but just do enough to barely save his job because if that's what happens again it's just going to go on for an indefinite period of time is it not yeah because the leadership uh, uh, higher up is yeah weak. yeah they, they they won't make the bold move there's no doubt there. I do want to mention one more thing here. Talking about Tyree Crump, uh, you and I were both applauding him for at least now playing Crump, playing Jai a little bit more. And I do think he deserves applause uh, and some credit for getting those guys some more minutes here in the past several games. But does it not also bring up questions of why were these guys not playing earlier? Does he also deserve some criticism there as well? Oh, 100%. I mean, that, for the last couple of years, it's always been my knock on him. It's like question his substitution and his rotations. Well, that's one of his biggest weaknesses, there's no doubt. I will say this. I want to give him credit for now finally allowing Crump to get some extended minutes. I think it's the first time in Crump's career he's played back-to-back 20-minute-plus games. First time yeah, in his yeah. career. Almost two years now, into, almost full two, two full years into his career. And he's been, for the past two years, even last year, even with J.J. Frazier, he was the best shooter on the team. J.J. struggled shooting from distance last year, as well, good see, as he I, was. My thing is, I don't know if he'd be doing this if Harris wasn't suspended. That's a very fair question as well. Maybe it's out of necessity. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that is the point. 
because Harris was getting minutes ahead of Crump for the most of the season anyway, and he was last year too. Um, but I, I have to I have to say this as as thankful as I am for him putting him in now and giving us a chance to to at least knock some shots down and and, and open up some room down low for our guys to operate in the post. I, I firmly believe that Tyree Crump would be ahead of where he is right now. He'd be an even better player than he is right now if he would have gotten more time early in the season. Tyree Crump is still very much learning how to play this game. And you mentioned that, how he's playing better defense now, right? Yeah, he well, is. Well, Tyree yeah. Crump would have been playing better defense earlier if he was given more time on the court. You can't get better. And we kept saying this. You cannot get better when you're sitting on the bench. All right? and yet, Tyree Crump was not a perfect player. He's still not a perfect player. He's not the answer to all of our questions. He, he's not a messiah. He's not at all. But he gives us something that no one else on the team gives on a consistent basis. And he has no, he had never had a chance to work on his areas of deficiency if he was not getting time on the court. He lets everyone else get out there and work on their deficiencies, but not Tyree Crump. So I, as well as Crump's playing right now and giving us a shot off the bench right now, he would be giving us even more. I firmly, firmly believe he would give us even more if he was allowed to play early in the season. So that is on Mark Fox. He he has stunned Tyree Crump's growth, right? Yeah, completely. 100% there. But I don't know. We'll see how the how the, how the season plays out. My hopes aren't tremendously high right now. Uh, the odds are still on this team not making the tournament clearly. Uh, but, again, these two wins against ranked opponents – uh, especially the win against Tennessee, a top 15 RPI win here, has at least given us some hope, all right? We're not, it, it's kind of written, pulled us back from the dead, from the precipice of death, I guess, uh, and given us a chance down the stretch here. It's, it's not much of a chance, and it's gonna, still going to be an uphill battle, but we now at least have an opportunity going into these last four games of the regular season to put ourselves firmly on the bubble and back in that, potentially in the, back into that tournament conversation. So, We'll see how it plays out. I, I firmly believe this game against uh, South Carolina on on Wednesday evening, six thirty p.m. is going to is a critical game because right now I don't see us winning at Tennessee. So that means if we're going to win three of the next four, we got to win at South Carolina. And if we win there, we've got LSU and at home, and then all bets are off. We might have a legitimate chance here, but we'll have to see what kind of performance we come out with on the road against South Carolina. As you mentioned, Kurt, it hasn't been pretty for the most part uh, on the road for us this season. We'll see if that changes and we can kind of continue the, the positive trend here that we've kind of put together over these past two games all right guys well thanks for listening to the show here today that definitely does it for us here today we'll be uh, back later in the week with our football friday show so make sure to check in on friday we definitely can't ignore football here that's that's the core of this show and we'll never ever get straight too far away from that so check back in later this week we'll be taking a look at the 2019 recruiting cycle and trying to and kind of give you guys some names to know taking a look at the current commits and looking at what our biggest needs are in this 2019 class. So make sure to check it back in for that show. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening, guys. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>